0: shotglassdigital.com Geek Out Loud is brought to you by audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash geekout. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player of your choice. audibletrial.com slash geekout. Help us out, guys. Come on. Come on. Help us out. on this episode of geek out loud force friday has come and gone and i learned the joys of instagramming with everything that i got it was like christmas and we're going to talk about on this your safe place to geek out this is the geek out loud podcast Everyone, and welcome to Geek Out Loud, your safe place to geek out on the internet. My name is Steve Glosson. So glad to be along with you. As, uh, man, there's a lot going on, a lot happening, a lot of things shaken down, as it were, as we roll into the fall. And fall is going to be pretty spectacular, guys. It's going to be pretty spectacular. And I'm looking forward to not only fall, but into the winter time with, uh, of course, with a little movie called Star Wars The Force Awakens. I had a revelation tonight as I was getting ready to do this, and it is this revelation that maybe, just maybe, The Force Awakens won't be any good. And, And I was really thinking it. Like, it was in my head, in my mind. I'm like, this could very well be the case. This isn't a, you know, end of fanboys, hey guys, what if it sucks kind of joke. This is truly, truly, truly my heart of hearts. I'm like, what happens... If this isn't any good, how do I contend with a Star Wars movie that I just don't like? Because I do like the prequels. That's not just you know lip service to those movies. I, and of course, I love the original trilogy. But what happens if I don't like this movie? And I had to come to grips with in in a few minutes' time. I came to well, if I don't like it, I don't like it, and it, and it will be what it will be. But um, and people may be glad because that means I might talk about Star Wars a lot less and just kind of. You know, focus on things that other people like. There's a whole wide spectrum of geeking out out there that people do. Everything from gaming to Doctor Who back around to just, you know, some random TV shows that people love. And, of course, the comic books and everything are there. Well, Geek Out Loud, you know, was always about, I just want to geek out about the things I enjoy because it doesn't seem like anyone else is geeking out about those things with me. And, man, what an incredible community of people that uh, have been found, that I have found on the internet, thanks to this podcast. And uh, that just tells you how great you guys are, because it's always cool to interact with people and, and talk about the things we love without trashing um, each other for having different opinions. For example, recently, uh, recently, and by recently, I mean last night at the time of this recording, I had the privilege to sit in on the Flix podcast with Jason and Dan. You hear their ad here from time to time. And we talked about Attack of the Clones. And I've been very, very honest about the fact that I think Attack of the Clones is the weakest of the six Star Wars films that we have thus far. And we talked a little bit about that. And then we just started, I started my general Star Wars love fest with those guys. Had a great time. But there was a moment where we disagreed about one aspect of Django Fett, Jason and I and it never was like well you're an idiot for thinking that It was just like here's how i think and he was like here's how i think a valid point you know and and that's fun that's when it's fun is when you can start to kind of dig into these things without worrying about well is someone not going to like me because i i think differently than they do listen be who you are love who you love and and don't let people run you down for liking what you love and ignore the negativity just let just filter it out And get over it. I don't know what got me to that point, but there I am. And uh, it's just cool to hang out with you guys and to have this kind of conversation, to talk about the stuff we love, to get your emails and see your tweets and and that sort of thing. And so um, I guess I say all that to say thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading the podcast. Thank you for subscribing to iTunes and all those things. It really matters to me and means a lot. So thanks for doing that. Also, thanks to everyone who uses the Amazon link at geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com to do your shopping on Amazon. Whenever you do that, it does help the show out. So, I think you're supposed to clear your cookies, you know, if you if you have if you've never clicked through Uh, From my side, I think you're supposed to clear your cookies. Otherwise, I think you're good to go. But instead of going to Amazon, go to geekoutpodcast.com or geekoutonline.com and uh, use the link there, and then that'll send you through. And you just shop like you normally would, and it really helps us out when you do that. So thanks for for doing that. Also, um, thanks to everyone who supports us directly through Patreon. Thank you so much uh, for your support. That is... Moves me every time that I think about it, and it humbles me, and I am so so deeply appreciative of the fact that you would throw hard-earned money at these at the whole, entire Goaliverse, at this series of podcasts because um it means that it, it's just nice to know that it matters. It's nice to know that people like it that much because that's a big big deal, and uh, and so I thank you guys for that. It's Patreon.com/slash/geekoutloud. Uh, if you want to chime in or chip in over there, uh, man, it, it means the world. We did one marathon, and I never plan on doing a Patreon marathon again, just mentioning it here on the show, because, you know, I just to say thank you. Our featured supporter on this episode is Jason Raspberry. No jokes about his last name, please. There's nothing sweet or tangy about this guy. Jason has the ability to produce various toxins from his body, from irritants that disable his enemy's eyes uh, with itchy eyes to toxins that could kill. But he would never go that far. He's a good dude. He's the Raspberry. Jason Raspberry, our featured supporter on this episode of Geek Out Loud. And we thank him for his support. Hey guys, by the way, you really want to show your love and support for Geek Out Loud and the entire Golaverse? Well, geekoutonline.com slash shirts. Geekoutonline.com slash shirts. We've got the classic Geek Out Loud shirt there available now. We've got... Uh, just a basic, simple geek out loud shirt. If you want to, you know, be a little more muted in your support, we've got the mark out loud shirt logo. We've got a new rock out loud shirt, kind of a throwback to the '80s rock out loud shirt. And for Disney Vault Talk, we've got our baby mushroom shirt up and rolling uh, at geekoutonline.com/slash-shirts. Now, in the past. We've had to do pre-orders. We've tried to get a few extra here and there if people wanted them. We've tried to have them in hand and then sell them, and and then the shipping and everything. Well, this is a T Public store, and so when you do this through T Public, they print it, they get it to you, and um and so there won't be any. Hey, Steve, where's that T-shirt at? It'll be all through T Public. It's a great site, quality shirts from what I understand, and uh and and so and and never necessarily will go away. We may retire a few of these designs here and there but of course we'll let you know uh if that happens so check it out geekoutonline.com shirts shirts and you can't and it's not just t-shirts and you're not stuck to the one color uh that's on display there you can get various colors or various styles um they've got uh they've they've got a tri-blend shirt they've got uh They've got uh, girl shirts, girl cut shirts, female top shirts. You know, you, those kind of people that the girls like. They You can get a hoodie. You can do long sleeve, crew neck, short sleeve, tank top, baseball tee. It's all there. TeePublic uh, is a great service. And it's geekoutonline.com slash shirts to get you to our Tea Public store. And we thank you guys for getting a shirt, wearing a shirt, supporting the show, letting people know about your safe place to geek out, the most magical podcast on the internet, the rockin'est podcast on the internet and your drop down toehold of the internet, of course, mark out loud. So, uh check them out and there'll be more more designs rolling out as time rolls on, so keep checking back and and watch the Twitter feeds to know when new designs are released and they'll be there for a while, so don't uh, and, and if we if we're going to retire one, we'll definitely uh definitely let you guys know about that so having said all that gang let's jump into some emails Got to do kind of a short show tonight, guys, because uh, for those of you live, because we are doing some stuff with Mark out loud uh, momentarily, just a little later on, and then I'll be guesting on the Galaxy of Toys podcast uh, after that late tonight. So, so we got to be kind of quick, and so we're going to do just a couple emails here that are relevant to what we're talking about. Then, one that I really want to touch on. Uh, from a new listener. This is from Samuel Moon. He says, Hello, Steve. I really enjoyed the latest episode of Goal discussing Star Wars collecting. I was a latecomer to the Star Wars fandom. I grew up a fan of Star Trek. (sighs) Mainly due to TNG. Tang? Mainly due to Tang? Hmm. I remember going to the video store with my mom and she suggested getting Star Wars. My response was, I like Star Trek, not Star Wars. But I rented the original trilogy anyways and fell in love. This was around 1996, and I was 11 years old. I remember having a few Star Wars figures growing up, but I can't remember any specific ones. Currently, I only have four. Boba Fett, R2-D2, The Clone Wars Yoda, and Darth Vader with a removable mask. I also have one of the three-foot-tall Darth Vader figures that my mom got me for my birthday recently. It sits alongside my three-foot-tall Man of Steel black-suited Superman. Outside of the figures... I have a Darth Vader lightsaber. It's one of the cheap, one that just, cheap ones that just extends, no lights or sound effects. I also found an Episode 1 Millennium Falcon toy from Taco Bell at a thrift shop earlier this year. And After hearing you mention them a few years back, I started collecting the Hot Wheels ships. So far, I have them all except one of the X-Wings. Not sure which. Well, there are two versions there, Sam. There's the, uh, the, the X-Wing with the wings closed and the X-Wing with the wings open on the Hot Wheels uh force friday snuck up on me i thought it was a friday night at midnight it should have been not thursday night luckily there was plenty left to choose from when i got there friday morning wow really despite that you're one of the rare ones despite wanting to buy everything i limited myself to the black series titanium ships i got the millennium falcon slave one a tie fighter and the rebel x-wing i think i may end up buying a kylo ren and captain captain phasma figure as they must look so darn cool I figure that's enough geeking out for now. Thanks for being so awesome, your friend Samuel Moon. The Black Series Titanium line is very interesting. I feel like they used to do the Titanium line did Hasbro, and a lot of people dug it. There were a lot of people collected. I was never one of those. Um, I feel like they've brought it back as a direct response to Hot Wheels doing what they're doing. Um, and it's and it's interesting because Hot Wheels has had, I feel like, some success in their promotion of not only the character cars but now the the ships the different ships they're doing. I like the look of them. I like the way they feel, but I but in the price point is a lot better than the titanium series price point. And um I don't know. I got a few opinions about Hasbro. We'll get there um as we get into it. So um so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Samuel Moon, for your thoughts on the uh, the collecting and what you got on Force Friday. Mark says, Mark K says, Hey Steve, I've had something on my mind ever since Force Friday and I was hoping to get your thoughts. For starters, let me say I couldn't be more excited for The Force Awakens. The build-up has been perfect. From the first black and white photograph of the table read, through the teasers, and up to Force Friday, I really think it's going to be something special. The only Midnight Madness events I've been to were for the Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. The Phantom Menace Midnight Madness event in particular was amazing, and not just because there were enough three-and-three-quarter-inch figures for every fan. I remember getting home after hitting, a, after hitting Toys R Us and opening all my brand-spanking-new Star Wars merchandise. I vividly remember marveling over the two pod racers I had bought, Anakin's and Sabulbas. I remember being stunned at the creativity I held in my hand. Here were these little cars strapped to two giant engines bound together by this blue lightning that would race across desert landscapes at unheard-of speeds. While I was looking over my new engines or my new toys, I couldn't help but be awed by George Lucas's imagination. I honestly felt I hadn't seen anything this creative since 1983. What has never ceased to amaze me about George Lucas is his remarkable visual imagination and ability to give you something new and different in every episode of the saga. Now, fast forward to The Force Awakens and the Force Friday merchandise. I can't help but feel like everything we've seen is a retread. We get an X Wing painted a different color from the X Wings we've already had. We get a couple of different speeders, but we already had land speeders and speeder bikes. We get more stormtroopers, but we've already had stormtroopers. I haven't really seen anything outside of BB-8 that really impresses me with visual creativity George Lucas would bring to the table. While I have a feeling the character stories in this movie are going to be fantastic, visually the movie looks a little similar to the, oh, to the original trilogy so far. Hmm. The prequel trilogy bore very little visual resemblance to the original trilogy. This was a bold move by George. I think that sort of investment helps to grow and expand the Star Wars universe. Whereas if all we ever see are X-Wings and TIE Fighters, it starts to feel like those are the only types of ships in the galaxy, and the galaxy feels a little smaller. I do hope the creators of the sequel trilogy are able to show us something we've never seen or imagined. I guess what I'm trying to say is while I love X-Wings and TIE Fighters, when that's all I see on screen, it makes me miss George Lucas and the abundance of creativity and new ideas he brings with him to a production. I hope that made sense. One other quick topic I wanted to touch on. A little while ago... You posted a poll on Facebook asking which line of action figures were our favorites. Having grown up in the 80s, I naturally threw my hat in with the vintage line. But I also want to mention my love for the Clone Wars line of figures. I really like the sculpts with that animated quality to them. They're stylized in a very cool way. I can't get enough of those, and they're my second favorite line of action figures. Anyway, all of your podcasting efforts are always appreciated. All of your listening efforts are appreciated, Mark. Geek Out Loud makes life a little more fun. That's what I hope. I hope to try. Uh, and that's Mark Kate. Mark, I want to say this. I I see I see where you're coming from, but I also want to say that remember, we've seen three to four minutes of this movie, you know, out of context. Um the the X Wings and the TIE Fighters are selling the original trilogy. And I'm not saying we'll see A Wings and B wings and stuff. But I think you also have to remember the time frame. Watch the prequels and watch as we get into, especially Revenge of the Sith, there's a lot of similarities going on. There were Star Destroyers starting at the end of Episode 2, and they've morphed into the Star Destroyers we knew in uh, the original trilogy. And and we'll have other visual changes to these ships. The X-Wings are actually different. The wings split apart. They're a little... Thinner um, than the original X-wing uh, wings were. They 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 split a little bit differently, and they're very interesting that way. Um, the Tie Fighters, I'll talk about momentarily, really different. Um, and so it's taking these old designs from the original trilogy and doing what they did with the Tie Bombers, the Tie Interceptors. All of these things are taking. They're basically taking the technology in world in universe, and they're upgrading it, making it new, making it different. It's not just a coat of paint on these X-wings. It it's a different a different model, a different make kind of thing. So, um it, to me it feels like a natural progression, especially knowing the feeling like uh, not knowing but feeling like we're stepping into a galaxy where though the war was technically won, it's still raging on and there's still this this imperial presence trying to rise its ugly head. And these freedom fighters trying to resist that presence. So, I, I you know, I don't think, and you know, I, I don't think that it's been visually disappointing to me in any way. Um, I, the only, mm, I can definitely see your point. I definitely see your point. But I say, give it a chance. Wait until we've seen the full movie and then talk about the the lack of creativity there when you look at uh, episode two and the clones show up you know their armor morphs into what we had as stormtroopers and now that armor has morphed further into the stormtroopers we now have with the first order troopers so i think it's 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 a thing where they're trying to naturally progress rather than just completely be all new and uh and so i'm looking forward to it i think that I think we're going to see some visually stunning things. I think we're going to see some creativity. They've definitely gone back into the archives with some Ralph McQuarrie stuff. Looking at some of the Alien work that's been done, uh, you know, out of the Creature Shop is really cool. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm I'm not ready to sit here and you know plant a flag and well they're they're so great, they're so wonderful, but I am willing to say that you know let's breathe a little bit, give it a chance. And finally, this uh, email, uh, thought-provoking and worth reading and worth talking about. Paul writes in, he says, Hi, I love your show. I'm new to it and been slowly listening to all the old episodes. I was a little disappointed, though, when I came to your podcast on diversity. What I got out of it was that you think diversity is great, but it shouldn't be forced and should have relevance to the plot. I found that disappointing. Why is it that diverse characters always have to have a reason to exist? Why is it that straight white male characters can freely exist and are the default? It's the sign of a problem. If writers can only conceive of characters that are straight, white, and male, you shouldn't be protecting their creative process. You should be acknowledging that it's a problem. I'm still going to listen to your show. It's amazing, but the diversity talk did concern me, and that's from Paul. Well, Paul, number one, I'm going to say, I'll say this, uh, great email. I, I'm, I'm afraid that I didn't communicate myself clearly enough to you in what I was saying. And and I think it's important that we understand and I, and I said in that show, you know, I'm a I'm a white male. I'm a white American male. And and so what do I know about diversity or, you know, problems that people have who aren't white American males? But I, you know, and there is still uh, problems there, but I number one, I think there is there are greater hills to die on than wanting and see, I'm trying to be real careful because I don't want to sound like I'm being cold and callous toward people who really feel this is an issue and really feel this is a problem. What I do want to say is that the I feel like the problem is, is when something is released from a creative entity, be it Marvel or DC or an author or, you know, a movie studio, whoever the case may be, whatever happens that when it's released and the first thing people say you know start to say well where's the women where's the people of color where's all this it you're you're immediately judging the product based on what you're seeing in a poster what you're seeing in a trailer you're immediately judging something based on the fact that there's a lack of uh, of what you want to see and that becomes that becomes this cause for people where they jump up and they just begin to rant and rave Never never discussing story on the merits of story, never discussing character on the merits of character. When I say that there needs to be a reason for it, I'm not saying that you can't just have an African-American character somewhere or you can't just have an Asian character somewhere, you can't just have a woman. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that in many instances recently to try to appease people who are shouting about diversity and having more diversity... In many instances, what has happened is these people, these creators, have shoehorned in um, ideas and things just to try to appease that crowd. And that's not creativity, and that's not even the promotion of diversity. That's tokenism. That's saying, well, this will silence everyone, this will keep everyone quiet. And I don't think that anybody wants that. I don't think that anyone wants, no matter what side of the or what side of the spectrum you fall on, I don't think anyone wants that. I want to talk about a couple of things, you know, that are very specific to this conversation that's taking place. Number one, a lot of people have been shouting Idris Elba for James Bond. And they want to see it. No one's asked Idris Elba what does he want. Maybe they have. I haven't seen that interview with him where he's where he's been like, Yeah, I'd love to play James Bond. I I've not seen that. But it's just this idea that is that has made itself made its way into the Zeitgeist. And then the, the man who I can't think of his name right off the top of my head, but the man who has the who, who is responsible now for continuing the writing of James Bond novels, you know, that would fit into Fleming's canon. Um, comes out and says Idris Elba is too street. That's an ignorant statement. That's, that's, that is the statement of someone who's obviously not aware that Idris Elba is an actor and a good one at that. The problem is, with me, is not whether or not Idris Elba is black or white. The problem is, is would he make a good James Bond? I think he'd make an outstanding James Bond. I really do. I don't have any problem with him. And if and if they came out and said, when Daniel Craig's last movie is done, Idris Elba is the next James Bond, I'd be like, cool, let's do it, man. This is going to be great. But there's always going to be, well, he's the first, you know, I don't know that he's African-American. I don't know that he's an American, so you can't use the term African-American. You know, but he's the first person of color to play James Bond. Hurrah. Huzzah. Why would, and, that's, and if you want that to be your legacy, that's fine. But how about he's one of the greatest James Bonds of all time. He was in some of the best James Bonds movies. Isn't that what he would be wanting more than that other title? Isn't that what he'd want to be remembered for more than the other thing? And if all we say is, well, we want this, this color of character here, or this gender of character here, or this type of character, then what we're saying is we want, you to, we want tokenism. And I don't want tokenism in my stories. And I think that's the point I'm trying to make. I'm not against diversity at all. I'm all for it. Go for it, you know. But understand that that if you do that just for the sake of having this in there, then it's tokenism. It's not diversity. Uh, we'll go back a few years. Michael Clark Duncan played the kingpin in the original Daredevil movie. And a lot of people can, you know, complain about Daredevil and, and don't like that movie. I, I tend to like it, especially the director's cut. But Michael Clark Duncan... As an African-American playing the kingpin, someone who was for years and years and years portrayed in the comics as as a white man was outstanding. He was perfect. He had the size. He had the gravitas. He had everything he needed for that role. And there was no one else who could have stepped in that role until Vincent D'Onofrio comes along and does a great job. You know, regardless of the color of his skin. More recently in the Fantastic Four, Michael B. Jordan played the Human Torch. Kate Mara played uh, his sister, Susan Storm, who she ends up, they throw just a line in there to explain, well, she's adopted. No big deal. You know why Michael B. Jordan was in that role? Not because he was black, but because he's a great actor. And had he been given more to do, and had he been... Given the opportunity to expand, you see glimpses of it here and there in that movie, and that's what's so tragic about that film is Michael B. Jordan would have been an iconic Johnny Storm. he would have been fantastic, and that's what we need to talk about, not the color of his skin but the but the embodiment of that role. More recently, there was the outcry about the Spider-Man thing as well, and 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 the fact that the studio said, you know, he needs to be Caucasian, heterosexual, all this stuff. And I think that comes down to a matter of marketing. The Human Torch has not been someone that has been marketed by Marvel for years and years and years and years. The way the way that Spider-Man has. Spider-Man has been marketed in a big way. He has been the front runner for Marvel. Now people would say, well, now it's Iron Man. Well, that's only since 2008. You have years and years, decades before that, where Spider-Man was around. And I think that you've got to ease the general public with familiarity, regardless of skin color or ethnic background or whatever. You've got to ease the public into a movie with Here's something that you recognize and you're used to so that then maybe down the road, hopefully, you can get a Miles Morales story. Miles Morales is an outstanding character in the pages of Marvel Comics, and it's natural the way that he slipped into the role of Spider-Man. It wasn't forced and it wasn't shoehorned, and that's what I like about him. I was critical of... Uh, the female Thor uh, of Thor, you know the the name Thor being passed to a woman. And I still have a problem with her taking on the name Thor. Never had a problem with a, with a female in that role. And I'll tell you this: having now read several issues with her, really dig it really dig what they're doing. You know, it's a different the, the the thing is is it's a different take and the creator said, "Here's something new and exciting we can do with this character because of what has happened to Thor and now we can bring this person in whoever she may be. I'm not sure who she is yet. I've I've not uh, not gotten to that point in the story, but the idea being that what makes it good is not that she is a female. What makes it good is that the storytelling is good and the mystery is intriguing. And what's happening in Asgard versus what's happening on Earth is a fun, good story with with excitement, with adventure, with compelling, good characters. And that needs to be, first and foremost, the front part of everything. If someone happens to be not white, not straight, whatever the case may be, not male in a role, that that is neither here nor there but if you only do that to appease people who want that diversity it's tokenism that's all it is plain and simple you know and it might make small strides but it doesn't make the strides that people want to see and again i go back to an uh, to, to what i said early early on in that discussion is if, is if you want these type of characters in something then then create create those characters you know don't i i feel like that it's a little disingenuous to say well i wish batman wasn't white i wish spider-man was this i wish that james bond was this i feel like that becomes a little disingenuous because what you're wanting to do is take something that's been around and say i now want it to change well how about this how about if you want that type of character if you want someone that people can look up to or, or 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 whatever the case may be then then what you do is is you create. You create new. You create fresh. Rather than trying, because then all you're doing is rebooting. And and I think we all know how we feel about reboots. The minute people talk about rebooting something, we all hate it, right? We immediately jump on the hate bandwagon. So I'm not... What's interesting here is I think we agree where we're coming from. I just think that to... When you say you shouldn't be protecting their creative process, you should be acknowledging that it's a problem. I think that's wrong. I think that we should be protecting the creative process. I think that the creative process is is what's important here. And and that if there is a problem and it and it's been acknowledged that there is a problem, then we use the creative process to fix the problem. But we don't take and just try to shoehorn things into stuff that's already been done to try to fix, because again, bring it back. It's tokenism. And I would, and I would rather see true creativity than, well, we put this here so that everyone would be happy to have this, you know, a character with this skin color. And, you know, and, and I just said it because it's becomes this big issue online. And I'm just going to say that, it's not going to change... you know. I don't know. Um, I'm not going to go there. You know, I, and I've been there before. And, and I I just think that there, there are bigger hills to die on when it comes to issues of racism, sexism, gender equality, all this stuff. I think there are bigger places to go fight the battle than in the pages of a comic book or on the movie screen. I really do. I think that there needs to be... You know, education is important. I think that uh, true tolerance is important, not tolerance of saying, as long as you agree with me, that's tolerant. I think that tolerance works is a two-way street. Um, There needs to be open lines of dialogue and communication and the willingness to have one's feelings hurt um, in these conversations and the willingness to to say, you know what, I'm wrong. Um, What I've learned in life is that you don't have to teach children that that something is is different. So, you know, you don't have to teach them curiosity to look into differences between themselves and other kids. But they do have to be taught hate. They do have to be taught hate based on a skin color, hate based on a gender identity, hate, hate based on all this stuff. They have to be taught that. And And when we and when we argue back and forth about things that don't matter we're we're just fueling the fires of hate we're fueling we're fueling that and i'm not saying sweep it under the rug but i'm saying that you know paul has a great is a great email with a great tone to it and a great point that he makes and and my apology is this that i wasn't clear enough in that episode that you heard uh with with my thoughts to say that I want these things, I, I, I enjoy these things, but I don't want them to just be token things thrown out at an audience who's been crying for them. Because then the creative process is lost, and I do think we need to protect the creative process we need to protect the artistic freedom to do things and not make someone feel guilty because oh, they happen to cast a white person or they happen to cast a man instead of a woman or they happen to create a male character instead of a female character we need to create we need to protect that creative process and and not demand that people do things our way because at the end of the day your art is your art your art is 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 a reflection of who you are your creativity is a reflection of what's going on inside of you and you don't want anyone telling you paul or anyone listening to this how to do the things that you do and how to create the things that you if you're creative and if you're you know we all have some way that we we express ourselves you don't want anyone telling you how to express yourself so why would we then turn around and tell other people how they have to do it and i think that's my point i think that's what i ultimately get to so paul thanks for the email and thanks for the for the good discussion i really I really dig it and I really appreciate the fact that uh that you've been listening, that you've been putting up with me through all the stuff you've been uh been been putting up with me through through all these I don't know why anyone would go back and listen to old episodes. I mean you get in, that's hard enough, you know, that's hard enough listening. Why subject yourself to that kind of torture? What is that noise? That's not what I wanted. That's not what I was looking for. Come on. Edit yet again. All right, real quickly before we move on, I want to remind you about audible.com. You know who Audible is, you know about them. Uh, they're, they're great stuff, man. I love uh, audible.com. It's how I consume most of the books that I read. I, I they read them to me. I love having books read to me. Uh, you can check out Audible by going to audibletrial.com/geekout. You get a free uh, free membership free 30-day membership and a free audiobook download of your choice. And regardless of what you do with your membership, you keep it forever. If I may suggest to you, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, book one. It's the next discussion in the Goloverse Book Club and it's really good. Uh, it's funny, it's subversely philosophical, and it's it's an interesting companion piece to the last book we talked about. And I'll talk about that when we get to the Goloverse Book Club episode next week. That... Uh, that in some ways it mirrors some of the concepts and ideas that were coming of out of the silent planet. So, but uh, it does so in a much more tongue-in-cheek, fun way. And uh it's a great book read by Stephen Fry. You can get it as your free download at Audibletrial.com slash geek out or whatever you want to listen to. Audibletrial.com slash geek out. And we thank them for their support of Geek Out Loud. As we move on, one final thing, ladies and gentlemen, if you listen to the Dinner for Geeks podcast, then you hopefully have heard the most recent episode wherein one Ryan Shaw calls me a Trank apologist, a Josh Trank apologist. And um, I was shocked. I'm like, what do you mean a Josh Trank apologist? And he was referring to the episode of Goal where we talked about the Fantastic Four, or Fant4stick, if you will, and I guess I just didn't bash Trank enough for him. I'll tell you this, that I'm not a Josh Trank apologist. I think that the flaws in both sides uh, are very apparent when it comes to this movie. Trank was a young director who had a, who had a take on the Fantastic Four, and I think that's a mistake any time that you take an established... Um, You've got to be careful about how much of a take you, you do with these things when you're taking these established properties and doing this stuff. And I think that he wanted his take to be what mattered and what they saw and what they wanted. And when the studio tried to kind of put the screws to him a little bit, that he responded in a way that a young director who doesn't know the ropes as much as he thinks the ropes knows would, would, would respond. And it just, I think it spiraled out of control there. I think the studio didn't give him enough freedom, and I think that he responded negatively to the lack of freedom that was given him. So, having said that, I'm glad we dodged that bullet on Star Wars just saying uh you know he'll he'll have a comeback movie where everyone loves him and it'll be great and and everything he messed up by going on twitter he should have never gone on twitter and tweeted what he did even though it was taken down i mean once it's out there it's out there so i'm not a trank apologist if you're not listening to dinner for geeks you should along with my star wars story i did i did text ryan after i heard him say that and uh He told me to come on the show and defend myself. So I'm just going to give fair warning to you guys that actually listen to the show. And I believe that is Ryan and Scott only. Um, You never know when I may show up. So be prepared. Be very prepared. Be ready. Forest Friday has come and gone. And I'm a sucker. Guys, I have an illness. I have a disease. (laughs) And that disease is buying Star Wars toys. Um, if you've list, if you listen to Rebel Force Radio, then you got to hear me with, along with Jason and Jimmy Mack. I basically just laid out and threw a comment in every now and again. Um, thanks for, there have been, some of you reached out with kind words about the show and everything, and I appreciate your kind words to me, but I recognize that my contributions were not very much on that, and I, and, and I appreciate them letting me come in at any time they let me come in. But while we were there, when, um... When we uh when when midnight hit East Coast time, I was on Amazon and I began to order and order and order and I was clicking away, man, just throwing stuff in the cart. The stuff that I never dreamed I would throw in the cart got thrown in the cart. And next thing I know, I've got a I go to the checkout and there are a few things that are suddenly unavailable. And I'm like, well, that's disappointing. So I go ahead and check out while I'm on air with those guys, and I feel like my Force Friday shopping is done. Well, next morning i wake up go to work come home from work take a shower and i go grab a bite to eat at a local eatery here and when i leave while i was eating someone had sent me a picture from the local walmart of the boxes all stacked up in the aisle they hadn't unpacked any of their force awakens merchandise yet at walmart and they said they must be going to do this tonight i'm like okay I'm not going to go to Walmart. I was thinking about, well, let me go peruse our Walmart and see what they got. And then I knew not to. So I drove to Baxley, Georgia, 15 minutes down the road, ladies and gentlemen, to peruse what they had. And they had a few things swinging on the pegs. And this is the sickness that I have. I bought Darth Vader on a Force Awakens card. (laughs) I was like, what am I doing? I've got so many Darth Vader Hasbro figures. What am I doing? But I bought him. And I would then find myself headed from Baxley, Georgia, over to Vidalia, Georgia, home of the Vidalia Onion, where their Walmart had done, had participated in the Midnight Madness, and they still had some of their displays up, and they had much more of a selection from which to choose. And I picked up, I filled in almost all the gaps that had been left in in getting the Hasbro stuff uh, on that night and uh, on, on that on that little run and i came home and began to unpack those things late late at night and began a journey into instagram never knew instagram could be so fun and I, i'm afraid that i, I annoyed people and blue by blowing up their feeds w- with what i did i'm going to tell you something these new three and three quarter inch figures i've heard some people complain about the five points of articulation i've heard people complain about paint apps and that sort of thing I think they look great. I think they are great looking figures. They, they're a lot more stable than the multiple points of articulation. You know, when you get up into the, like the 20 points of articulation, they're a lot more stable and they're just good looking figures that have a throwback to that original trilogy field. They're a lot more, the paint apps on those are a lot better than the mission series figures that, that came out with the five points of articulation along with the rebel stuff. Um, They just look great. I'm looking at them on a shelf right now, and I've got the, you know, of course, the first order stormtrooper, flame trooper. I found a captain Phasma, uh, a a tie pilot, of course Ray and Finn and Poe and Constable, whatever his name is. Even though I feel like he's just going to be a peg warmer and no one's ever going to care about this guy, I picked him up anyway. (laughs) Could not help myself. But to get these figures, I absolutely dig them. The Armored Up Kylo Ren um, is... uh, I think it's the Armored Up. Maybe it's the Forest version. There are two Kylo Rens. One has his hood up and the other doesn't. I don't like Kylo Ren with the hood down. I like Kylo Ren with the hood up. I think he looks better. It's a better look for him. Um... And the figure looks better. The one with the hood down, it just kind of, it looks disproportionate in some ways. Um, But uh, I grabbed on Amazon, grabbed the four six-inch Black Series figures that were available. They were immediately open and put on display. The BB-8 little figure is great. He's like an old-school Weeble. You know, Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. All the packaging, um, to see it online, I did not like. I was not a fan of. And then when I saw the packaging in person, I really like it. Now, it I'm still I'm still a proponent of going back to the vintage style cards, but these cards look good. There's some cool art on them. It's got Star Wars: The Force Awakens, of course, Kylo Ren up in the corner, and um, you know it's a throwback in some ways to the uh, the Episode One cards, without you know with more art. I mean there there's these things are taken up by artwork featuring the character that you're buying. And, and it looks really good. It looks a lot better in person to me than it did seeing pictures of it online. Same is true with the black series, uh, six inch figure. Uh, I didn't like that red that they were packing them in. I thought that the pictures I saw online, just uh, maybe they weren't high res enough or, you know, maybe my monitor doesn't have the, you know, the color popping enough off, but man, they're really sharp in person, and I really, get really dug, really dug that packaging. Um, the Kylo Ren figure is great. The, of course, the the stormtrooper is is cool. Ray is 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 good on the Ray three and three quarter inch figure. Her head is tilted down a little bit, and it and it makes her look kind of weird, like she's always looking weirdly down. But the six the six inch figure is fantastic, along with that BB-8 man. I love that little weeble's wobble, but they don't fall down. BB-8 Finn, you know, is Finn. He looks cool. I love the resistance. I like the resistance um, outfit, the 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 jacket over the shirt and everything. It's it's very much a throwback to the Rebel soldiers' uniform. They were more vesty, and these are more jackety. But it does look very much like Star Wars, you know, and it looks it has that feel and it has that 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 vibe to it. The Poe Dameron figure that was on the card uh, that's not the Armored Up Poe, he comes in his X-Wing gear with the helmet on, and you can't remove the helmet. That was a little disappointing to me after all the removable helmet stuff we've had from Hasbro over the years. Some people say it's a throwback to the old Luke and the X-Wing gear, and I guess so. But, I mean, the thing about this particular figure is he's got the visor down, and so you could literally make Poe any x-wing pilot as long as they're all wearing generally the same uniform you could make him just about any x-wing pilot you wanted to uh if you're so inclined there's a poe armored up version that comes in that resistance uniform thing and he the, the one i got the 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 painting on his face is a little weird but i like the look in that outfit and then the poe that comes with the X Wing, his helmet will come off. And so that's yeah, that's pretty cool, I guess. That's pretty cool, I guess. I'm happy with these figures. I mean, that's that's my big takeaway from this is in the past I've bought some figures here and there, be it Black Series three and three quarter inch or some of the even some of the 30th anniversary collection, even some of the uh vintage uh collection figures I've bought in the past and been a little bit, you know. Once I got them out of the package, and I was like, oh, okay, I guess this isn't as cool as I thought it was going to be. These figures, I have not had any buyer's remorse over any of them. I'm very much into them. I like the style. I like the how solid they are. And I like how they look standing up on display. I bought some ships. Bought some vehicles as well. Uh, basically, guys, uh, my credit card is now not able to be used for a little while. Um Bought, bought some of these ships as well. Bought Ray's speeder. Ray's speeder comes with Ray with, like, the goggles down and the, you know, in her, in her cloth wrapped around her face and all. Fits great onto the speeder. Looks great. Displays great. That's about all it does. Uh, it's, they don't, I would have thought they would have had wheels to kind of roll the thing or whatever, you know, to give it some motion, but it just kind of sits there. It has one action um, kind of feature that you push a button and a gun pops up out of the top, But I don't think that's something from the movie at all. I I just think it's one of those things, you know, where they had to give it a little extra play feature. The X-Wing, pose X-Wing, it is, you know, a darker color. It's a very dark gray with orange highlights on it. Uh, BB-8s in the back are a droid-like BB-8. And much like the old vintage X-Wing, you push down the droid to pop open the wings. I think that's very cool. The plastic's a lot softer, more rubbery than plastics used in the past on some of these vehicles. But uh, it's a great-looking ship. It's a little bit bigger. It's it's substantially bigger than the vintage, the old-school X-Wing, but a little bit smaller than some of the newer releases they've had. It's a lot sleeker on the tip. Uh, It's just a lot more aerodynamic, a lot more streamlined than the original version of the X-Wings are, and I really dig it. But my favorite vehicle that I purchased was the First Order TIE Fighter. Special Forces Tie Fighter is, is apparently what it's called. It's got the it's black with the white wings. It's got a red streak on it uh, on the cockpit, the the fuselage area, and the the wings. You know the old school Tie Fighter wings were almost on stems. It seemed like compared to what was going on. You had the bulb in the middle, and then kind of you know they never really thickened out they more thinned out until they until they hit the wing itself and i for lack of a better word wing uh, the the solar panels i guess here there is there's something built around the inside of those solar panels that make it seem a little more sturdy as as a as a ship than the old tie fighters do more than that and this is just pure play toy value to me not that i play with my toys but in the top of the cockpit there are grooves where you can put uh the pilot's plural get there momentarily guns and lock them into place so that you don't have to have well what am I gonna do with these guns while they're flying the ship? It's just a really cool little feature to that and it's very neat. On the bottom of this TIE fighter are two guns pointed backwards. And when I first opened it and I saw that I'm like, well, these should be pointed to the front. And I twisted them to the front and then I looked into the cockpit and, and something dawned on me. On the back part of the cockpit, there's a, a a clear place where you could, if you're actually in it, you could see out. And I'm like, well, they got a rearview mirror in there or something. And then I'm looking, I'm like, holy crap, it's a two-seater. I don't know if this is in the movie. I don't know if this is Force Awakens movie. stuff. I don't know if this is spoiler or not, okay? But this particular TIE fighter toy is a two-seater, and the gun on the bottom is meant to face the back because one of the pilots actually faces the back and fires behind him. Now, if this is the case in the movie, X-Wings and such as don't stand a chance because if they get on the tail of one of these guys, suddenly they're getting shot at. It's just, it becomes more dogfighty than even the original trilogy dogfights were because the gun turrets aren't just on the front, they're on the back, and you've got to dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodge to avoid getting shot while you're trying to line up your shot on one of these TIE fighters. Uh, it's just, it captured my imagination, and it's probably my favorite purchase from uh, this first wave of The Force Awakens Hasbro merchandise that came out. I did uh, get my hands on uh, a few of the Hot Wheels um ships, the ones that came out were a Millennium Falcon and then, you know, a First Order tie They came out in the two-pack and the Millennium Falcon all by itself. Uh I've got the Kylo Ren character car on the way to me looking for that BB-8 character car but haven't gotten my hands on it yet. But I love the look of those Hot Wheels things. Again, I like the, the display stands they sit on. I picked up on a whim some of the Micro Machines. Very disappointed in the Micro Machines. The old school Micro Machines had a distinct feel and because they were so small i was always impressed at the attention to detail on the old Galoob micro machines well hasbro has the has the uh now has the license of micro machines not license but you know they own micro machines now they bought them out i guess I, I don't know if they bought out Galoob or not but to look at these number one they don't come with stands even though they have holes where the, you know they would sit on a stand they're just a little the plastic's a little flimsier the paint's a little sketchier um they just don 't have the the feel and the look that um, that those old micro machines had, and so if I did have buyer's remorse about anything it 'd be that I picked up these these micro machines a couple of them not a, i didn't i didn 't go nuts with them um i 'm just not a fan. You might be able to sway me if you picked up some of the micro machines and you like them, you might be able to sway me on those things, but uh they 're nowhere near what Galoo was doing with the micro machines and then the action fleet back in the day and that's not me as an old fogey saying back in my day things were better um if you want to see pictures of everything that i got i I posted except for some of the micro machines i posted uh generally everything and even with the the different figures had uh had accessories that came with them that are stupid accessories but they form a bigger accessory when you get like the three from that particular set and i took pictures of all those things took pictures of those accessories when they're put together and um and so check out my instagram at steve gloss if you want to see those that's it's the only thing that's really in the feed over the past week or two and uh man but it was fun it was fun opening those toys it was fun trying to figure out and i've still the star wars room is still in a bit of disarray trying to figure out where i'm gonna where i've re, where i'm gonna relocate some things i had to move around to um so uh, look i have an illness that's really what it comes down to this sickness of of collecting um is is in me and i can't i can't there's no cure it's like a monkey on my back and man um but it makes me happy guys i'm just looking at it and i'm like i'm happy i'm happy with what i've purchased you know, I don't know that I'll be doing any army building with the with the stormtroopers or, or what have you. I t- I just look around the room and I'm like, well, there's a stormtrooper. There's a storm. I've got stormtroopers all over the place, and I'm like, do I really want to do that with the first order stuff? I'll probably end up doing it. I found out, did not know, did not know, that um, did not know that um. Walmart now has the, the exclusivity of three-and-three-quarter-inch Black Series figures, and these are coming around, so they're going to have a Kylo Ren, a Rey, and a Finn three-and-three-quarter-inch Black Series figure exclusively at Walmart. Right now on the website, uh, there's a Darth Vader and a Luke Skywalker Black Series three-and-three-quarter-inch available. The Luke looks like a repack from the Deleted Scenes Vintage Collection, And I've heard that Vader's kind of a repack of of the 30th anniversary um, Vader. They have a Leia that is a Ceremony Leia from A New Hope. So she looks cool, and I don't think I have a... I've got a Ceremonial Leia somewhere, but nowhere on display. Um, So I might have to pick that one up. But I really want to get my hands on those Force Awakens ones, because those are the... And we'll see. We'll do the comparison then of the the multiple points of articulation and everything versus the five points. But... um, but yeah, it was great, dude. I mean, it was just a good time. And and I'll tell you what was 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 the most fun was um when I went to those two Walmart's that night because the nearest Target's like 2 hours away as is Toys R Us. But when I went and I was just driving, you know, and you have to go in the middle of nowhere when you're driving around South Georgia, you had to go to, from one town to another. You know, it's not like in a metropolitan area where you kind of don't realize that you've entered into another town in Georgia, you leave the, the the town and you're in the country in the middle of nowhere. And then you're back into another town. And I'm just driving and it just reminded me of back in the day when I would do this for those power, of the Jedi figures or for the new wave of attack of the clones figures. And, you know, and it was just like, it, it was a toy hunt. It's something that I didn't, you know, I hadn't done in a long time. Um, and and so I, you know, it was it was a good experience. It was a fun experience. And thanks to Amazon, it wasn't stressful. Um, I already I also have some pre-orders done with Dorkside toys for some of the two packs that are going to be coming out that are going to be released here pretty soon. That's how you're gonna get your Ahsoka Invader Rebels version, uh, along with a couple of other things. Um that's how you're gonna get the three and three quarter inch BB eight in some of these two packs so keep your eye out for those if you're a collector and dorkside toys is a great place to go ahead and, and nail down uh you know what you want as well as you know keep checking amazon and and because they do the same thing they've got a pretty good good collect selection there if you're in a walmart somewhere if you brave the people of walmart and you see those three and three quarter inch black series figures tweet me at Steve Gloss and let me know and let's see if we, you know, because I don't know if I'm going to be able to find those. That's what's got me more stressed right now than anything are those three and three quarter inch black series figures that are going to be coming around exclusive to Walmart. So, um, I tell you, it's good stuff though. I've really liked what Hasbro did with the exception of their distribution method. You know, there wasn't enough Hasbro merchandise. And I think that what we learned at the midnight madness stuff with the force Friday is, that what collectors are generally concerned with, the people that are going out are the hasbro collectors they're they 're those classic collectors looking for the three and three quarter inch line of stuff and there's and that 's still a viable line, especially now that there are new characters and everything and Hasbro doesn 't have to necessarily dip into too many background characters from the original trilogy that 's what the black series had kind of become, which is fine, but that 's not going to appeal to newer fans you know they have you when we have such a such an obsession with these background characters as star Wars fans that sometimes it's a, it's a little bit daunting to newer fans and newer collectors to jump in on what's going on. So I, you know, I, I I like the fact that we do have for Hasbro new figures that are coming out. And, and you know, my two complaints are once again, not enough district, not enough on the distribution. And number two, those armored up figures, the accessory that comes with these armored up figures is not that much more of an accessory than what comes with the other figures. The difference is the way they're packaged, and they're twice the price. And I think that that's you know shady business on the part of Hasbro, and and they really need to consider, you know, who they're messing with. <laughs> they really need to they need to consider not doing stuff like that if 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 your packaging is going to cost you know twice as much as just a regular card then don't do packaging that way you know just just do a line that is three and three quarter inch it's star wars figures don't try to get fancy with the different types and collections you do just do a line of star wars figures and have at it put the force awakens on everything right now you know the way that they used to do when they would repack the the star wars luke you know shorty robe as he's been called and he would be on a card that said return of the jedi we all knew luke wasn't in return of the jedi but that was just the movie that was out at the time you know same thing with the empire strikes back stuff it's just like you don't have to you don't have to change up drastically every time there's a new figure and you don't have to have three different Lines of three and three-quarter-inch figures going. It makes it hard, and it makes it confusing for people to get in on it and enjoy it because they feel like they're stepping into to new realms that they don't know. So that'd just be my advice to Hasbro. Not that they're listening. Not that they care what I have to say. But, look, it's my podcast. I get to say it because, you know, it's what I do. It's how, it's how we roll around here, gang. So, um... I also I don't have time to talk about on this episode. Uh, Aftermath is very interesting. Uh, it is the one novel I've picked up on um, on on the way uh, you know on, on the journey to the Force Awakens. I haven't read some of the YA novels that are out there and everything. Aftermath is very interesting. I, I plan on putting a review up on GeekoutOnline.com of it. Uh, it's gotten a lot of backlash that I feel like may be unfair. Of course, I did it via an audiobook, you know? So I wasn't able to look at the writing, I wasn't able to look at the words with my eyes, but all I was able to do was take in the story. And uh, I dig it, I dig where they're going. Um, my biggest disappointment was that lack of legacy characters, but I'm gonna be very interested to see how the story that was given to us in the first aftermath is gonna expand in the subsequent novels of this trilogy. Um, but we'll talk about that at a later date. Guys, thanks for joining us live at Mixer.com slash Everyone who's here hanging out, I appreciate you guys. Hope it's been fun for you. It's been a blast for me just to talk about Star Wars toys. I love it. I love it. Help us out by going to audibletrial.com slash geekout. We thank them for their sponsorship. Go get your free trial and your free audio book right now. audibletrial.com slash geekout. If you want a Golaverse T-shirt from any of our shows, we've got more designs and more designs coming on a regular basis. But head over to geekoutonline.com/shirts. You can get the classic gold shirt, a basic gold shirt, rock out loud, mark out loud, Disney Vault Talk have shirts there right now as well. We got round three and more coming. Uh, Amazon links, at geekoutpodcast.com, and geekoutonline.com. Continue to use those, and we thank everyone who supports us through Patreon directly uh, at patreon.com/geekoutloud. If you want to do so, head over there chip in, we'll get you up on the Goaliverse wall of fame. If you want to hang out with us between shows, the email is geekoutonline at gmail.com. Geekoutonline at gmail.com. On Twitter you can follow at Geek Out Loud. Follow the entire Goaliverse at Goaliverse. I'm at Steve Glosson. Don't forget about at Goaliverse Reads. And you can find the book club group at geekoutonline.com slash reads. And show our friend Arish a little love at Darth underscore duff. Facebook.com slash Geek Loud is where you can find us on the Facebook. Every now and again, there'll be some goal polls posted. You keep up to date on uh, when new shows are happening and that sort of thing. Trying to do some fun stuff with the Facebook page. and uh, that's It's there. It's over there. Facebook.com slash Geek Loud. Guys, I thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for listening, subscribing, downloading. Let other people know about your safe place to geek out. Let's grow this family, man. Let's make an impact of positivity in the geek community as we move forward. Looking forward to everything that's coming this fall, from Bond to Creed to Star Wars, ladies and gentlemen. Until next time, I'm Steve Glosson, and we'll see you again on the next Geek Out Loud.